You're listening to a sermon from Providence Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information about our church, please visit church-kc.com or come and visit on a Sunday morning. Sunday School for All Ages starts at 9 a.m. and our worship begins at 1015. Thanks for listening. I was talking to Walter last week and he reminded me because I was sharing some of my nerves with him. It's been a while since I've been in the pulpit and, and I was a little bit nervous about it. And he did remind me that God spoke through a donkey once. And so he also told me that he reminds himself of that as well when he's feeling nervous. So uh, I just wanted to share that with you all. Uh, among the changes that we, we've had this morning, I know if you look in your bulletin, I don't think the passage is in there. We'll actually be in the book of Haggai today. I know it's a funny sounding name. And many of you who may not be familiar with your Bibles uh, may not know where that is. It's between Zephaniah and Zechariah, <laughs> if you know where those are. If you don't, uh, it's on page uh, 1439 in my Bible that I have up here. So, um, But just take a moment and, and, and get there. Um, just look in the table of contents if you need to, uh, and I'll just give you all a few moments to, to get there. Again, we don't have the, the scripture on the screen, so... Don't hear very many more pages flipping, so I'm going to go ahead and read. We're going to be in chapter 1, and we're going to go through all of chapter 1. It's 15 verses. We're going to go through all 15 verses today, so let's read. In the second year of King Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You look for much and behold, it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above, above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors." Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, 
governor of Judah, in the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, in the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus. I uh, thank you for the, the privilege and the opportunity to preach your word. I just ask that, uh, that, that, that you would give me the, the courage and the boldness to, to proclaim your word uh, and that it would be received and uh, that, that your spirit and your presence would just be here with us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So we live in a society today uh, that is a very self-centered, uh, me-focused society, and we see a lot of symptoms of that uh, in the way uh, our culture responds. We see it on Facebook, where we like to be, we like to have our opinions liked, or we like to have uh, uh, our stories liked, or our pictures liked, and and it's really as we are coming into a time of celebrating the 4th of July, it's a result of the freedom that we do have. Um, But the danger in that is that with that freedom, it it gives us kind of the opportunity to to focus more on ourselves and make things the way that we want them to be, right? And so we've got a lot of great things that we have. We, We have retirement accounts, we have nice houses, we have uh, we have a lot of things that a lot of people in the world don't have and a lot of conveniences that a lot of people in the world don't have. And there's a danger for us, and I would say, I would argue that the church today uh, is in danger of becoming uh, so self-centered that we lose sight of what our purpose is in Christ, that we lose sight of the gospel. You may be wondering, uh, you know, what that would have to do with what Haggai is talking about here, but it wasn't much different back then because when Haggai was raised up as a prophet, the Israelites had been in captivity for a certain period of time and they were allowed to go back uh, and they were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and build the walls of the city. They had all the resources they needed. The king had allowed them to do it uh, and they built the walls, but something happened when it came time to construct the temple. They started to argue and fight among themselves. They faced political opposition, and then they also faced religious opposition from the people around them as well. And so what happened is uh, they had the freedom, uh, they had the resources, they had everything that they needed, uh, but they stopped. And they just focused on themselves and their own houses and, and their own ways. And so, uh, the good news for us, uh, if you're in Christ, if you're one of God's people, is he's usually pretty good about getting your attention uh, when you're going the wrong way or or when you're going down the wrong path. And that's what he does here. And what we're going to see here is how God, through his word and through his spirit, uh, appeals to his people. He appeals to the way that, that we think. He appeals to our hearts. Uh, and he appeals to our will, uh, our work that we do. We see that he empowers us and that he's with us in his spirit. So in, in, in verses 1 through 4, if you're looking in, in your Bibles, uh, really you've got uh, the, the date here is really important. 
because it's the first of the month. And on the first day of the month is a new moon. They go by a lunar calendar. The Israelites went by a lunar calendar. And so what they're doing uh, on, the, on the new moon was a festival or a feast or a time of sacrifice. If you go back in the book of Numbers, you'll see that this was a time where they had a lot of sacrifices that they were bringing in. And you have Zerubbabel and, and uh, Joshua here who are kind of overseeing this, and they're at the ruins of the temple, as we find out uh, later on in, in these verses. But they've got all their sacrifices here. They're gathered for regularly scheduled worship. And then for the first time since they've been let go out of captivity, God speaks to them through a prophet. And what he has to say at this regularly scheduled worship uh, is that these people say it's not time to rebuild the temple, right? They, uh, they were coming up with excuses, saying, hey, we faced opposition. Uh, you know, this is our priority. That's our priority. Their priorities were not in the right place. So their error is that they say it's not time to rebuild the house, but this house was God's presence among them, right? It was the place of sacrifice. It was, uh, they, they were indifferent to his presence actually being with them and for people around them to actually see that his presence was with them. And so they had run into opposition and somehow took that or maybe the 70 years wasn't fully up and they came up with excuses and they procrastinated even though they'd already had all the resources and everything that they needed to accomplish what God had, had called them to do, to build, rebuild the temple. And so I, as I was reading through this, as I was studying this, just the, the image that I had in my mind uh, was, was really quite stunning. If you, if you were to go back and look at numbers and look at all the animals that they had, and this was the whole, the whole group, the whole remnant was there, at the ruins of the temple with their sacrifices and and you've got Joshua and you've got Zerubbabel up there and then Haggai comes up and says hey guys uh, Lord of hosts which is actually Yahweh of hosts Lord of lords God sovereign God over everything he says that this people says it's not time to rebuild this and then he turns to the people the whole remnant and addresses them and says, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? So it's quite a, quite a stunning picture of, of calling people out through Haggai that God does here. And so this word in here, paneled houses, this could actually be referencing the uh, the, the cedars, the, the, the cedar trees that grew there, it would have been nice houses that were paneled. And so a lot of people think maybe they just had a roof over their head or that they were living in nice houses. Either way, they had somewhere to dwell and they were focused on their dwelling and they were focused on their problems and they were focused on themselves, each person in their own house, rather than God's house and God's will and God's kingdom. And so you see that 
God reaches out to them and he appeals to the way that they're thinking in these first four verses because they're procrastinating. They're thinking, they're presuming that it's not time because, uh, because I don't have time or, uh, or maybe because uh, somebody won't like me or somebody will get mad. I can't do it. It's not time, right? And that led, that, that was because of their motivation of their, their self-interest. They wanted to have nice houses. They lived in nice houses. They had used the resources that they had selfishly. They used their resources to build up themselves and to build up their kingdom, their own kingdom. So they were really, they were spiritually poor, not materially poor. And that is a danger that we face in this country and in our church today is that even though we have the 4th of July coming up, even though uh, we have freedom, even though that we have resources, there's a danger in thinking that the power that we have comes from those things, and it doesn't. If you're, if you're in Christ, if you've, if you've placed your faith in Christ, then, then the authority that you have to proclaim the gospel, the authority that you have to live your life for him comes from him. It doesn't come from anything here on earth. But the danger is looking at those things, looking at something like the Constitution or taking comfort in our homes or in our car or in our job or in our retirement account and holding on to those things as if those things somehow give us the authority or look here's the thing America is not going to be here forever the Constitution is not going to last forever somebody else is going to end up living in your house your car is going to end up in a junkyard and your retirement account is going to end up spent the problem is we can't be so short-sighted and we can't be so focused on the things here. We have, to place, uh, we have to place our priorities in God's kingdom. We need to make God's will our will. And we can't lose focus of that. We can't think that it's not time because somebody doesn't agree with us or think that it's not time because uh, somebody may not like us or somebody might get upset. We still have that responsibility in the way that we live our lives and the way that we speak to people and the way that we interact with people to live for Christ. But he also appeals in verses 5 and 6, he appeals to his people's hearts as well. He says, now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, again, Lord of hosts, he says it over and over and over again, Lord of hosts, that he is Lord of all, not just, not just over a specific region, but he is Lord of heaven. He is Lord of earth. He is Lord of everything on it. He says, consider your ways, which translated directly means set your heart to carefully consider your ways. Set your heart to where your priorities are. And he really doesn't even make them think that hard about where their priorities are because in verse 6, he tells them where their priorities are. You've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. 
You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. So don't just look at the surface of the matter. What is, what is motivating you? What is, what is your motivation for caring about these things? These are all self-interest things. Right? They had had a bad harvest, even though they had planted a lot. They were focused on planting and and working and and, and harvesting. If you look down at the the last line there, and he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes, that was for them, it was a proverbial saying of money invested or money spent without gain. Yeah, you're getting money. You're investing money, you're doing things with your money, but you don't have anything to show for it. And these other three here, food, they have food, but it's not enough to be satisfied. They have drink, but it's not enough to be satisfied. They have clothes, but it's not enough to be warm. Jesus specifically addresses those three in Matthew chapter 6 when he talks about uh, faith and, and not being anxious and, and not being worried. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do not be focused on the, 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 the problems right in front of your Don't make your problems bigger than, than God. Don't seek after the things here on earth and miss out on heaven. If your faith is in Christ, then your priorities are kingdom priorities. Your priorities are no longer on earth. They have an eternal significance. Now, it's not bad to make sure that you have provision for food and clothes and and something to drink. It's not not bad to have a retirement account. It's It's not bad to have those things. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that's not the point of your life. That's not the priority of your of your life anymore. Pastor Walter in in his script in, in his scripture reading this morning 
read from Luke, where Jesus says, you will, pick up your, you will die to yourself, you will pick up your cross and follow me. You are no longer self-interested. We are called to love people. We are called to follow Christ. We are called to be conformed into his image. None of that is self-serving for us. It's uncomfortable, and it's difficult, and it's difficult in our culture today for sure. A culture that tells us we can live our best life, do whatever makes us happy. Name it and claim it gospel. If you want it bad enough, if you pray hard enough, if you have enough faith, you can do it. That's a lie. That's all self-serving, self-interest things. The only thing that can save you is Christ. That's it. He's our reward. He is our priority. But God wants to dwell with his people. He dwells, he dwells with us. He dwells in us through his Holy Spirit. And that's made possible by the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Christ. If we don't share the gospel, if we're not obeying the Great Commission everywhere we are, not just on Sunday mornings, then we're being indifferent to the will of God. We're procrastinating what we've actually been called to do. And that's where in verses 7 and 8, God appeals to the will of his people as well. Again, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Set your heart to think carefully about your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Again, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts, Lord of hosts. Consider your work. Yes, there's work involved. It's a great testimony to hear Dan come up here and talk about the kingdom work of, build, yes, building a physical church. But like he said, people are going to come to that church and they're going to be sped, they're going to be fed spiritually. People are going to be saved in that church. That church is going to have kingdom results and we were able to go and help be a part of that. That is a good priority to have. There's, there, there's work involved. It's not just showing up on Sunday. It's not just you know, showing up on, on Awana night or showing up on youth night. No, it's, it's part of our lives. It, it's every aspect. It's every facet of our lives. It's when we're driving down the road. It's when we are at work, when we're at home, when we're at school. We do it, and we do it because, imagine this, God says he even gives us the why for the work, right? That he may take pleasure in it. It pleases him. It pleases him when, when we share the gospel with people. It pleases him when we share our testimony with people. It pleases him when we help feed people who are hungry. It pleases him when we go help build a church or a sanctuary. It pleases him. And it pleases him because it brings him glory. He is glorified when we are living for Christ. And I know the thought, I know the thought is if I live that way all the time, people are going to think I'm weird. 
So what? They're going to probably think you're weird anyways. But that, that goes right back to that self-centeredness, that, that I want to protect my ego. I'm worried about what people think about me. The only thing that matters is what God thinks about you. And he thought enough of you to send his son down here to pay the price for your sins and my sins, to take the punishment that we rightfully deserve so that we could be saved from our own piddly priorities and that we could have a relationship with him, an eternal relationship that doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you accept him as Savior. If you've accepted Christ, you are living in eternity right now. You don't have any less time tomorrow than you have today. It is a mind, it's an eternal mindset, it's eternal priorities that we have to have. I know the thought, I know, I know. What if I get in trouble at work? What if people don't like me? What if I offend someone? I don't know. What, I mean, ask the apostles. What, I mean, what happened to them? They, died, they actually died for it. Not a like internal dying to self, but an actual physical death as well. Now, God does another thing here while appealing to their will. He actually tells them why uh, they're they're actually struggling so bad in spite of not being materially poor in verses 9 through 11 here. You you looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? I love that. Why, question mark, declares the Lord of hosts. Doesn't get any more rhetorical than that. But he tells them, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. So because you have neglected my will... And placed your priorities over my priorities. I have set myself against you. I am showing you not only am I the Lord of hosts. Not only am I the the Lord of everything in heaven and everything on earth. But let me break it down for you. I am the Lord of the dew. I am the Lord of the rain. I am the Lord of the harvest. The ground of man, of beast, and work. I am Lord of all is what God is saying. He is sovereign over everything. Now, I just want to take a second and contrast this with why they quit the work in the first place. It was because they were worried about what was going to happen to them from people. And they got discouraged, and they stopped, and they worried about themselves. And in doing that, God set himself against them. So really, if you're one of God's people, you're not going to have it easy. You're either going to have be against God's will, or in God's will. And if you're in God's will, people are going to be against you. If you're not in God's will, God's going to make things difficult to get your attention. They had gone on like this for 15, 16 years. They kind of 
swayed back and worried about their own interests and their own priorities. When Jesus gave us the Great Commission, when he gives us the Great Commission in, in Matthew chapter 28, it's not a suggestion. It's a commission. It's an imperative. It's a command. And what does he say? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. That's the authority that Jesus is the same authority. Jesus is Lord. He's given his authority to go out and to live our lives and to proclaim the gospel. One of the most comforting parts of this message for me is here at the end in verses 12 through 15 and just knowing that we're not alone. We're, we're not going to do, do this alone. In verse 12 we see that, that God's gotten their attention now at this point because Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the whole remnant, all of them, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. See, at the beginning of this, he said, God said, these people, and you might get in trouble in 2023 if you walk around saying these people too much, but... God was pointing out, you're not acting like my people. When they turn to him and they repent and they obey his commands and what he says, he is the Lord their God. And they recognized that Haggai was a prophet and that God had sent them. They recognized the word of God for what it was. They recognized the authority behind it and they feared him. Not just a, a trembling fear but a reverent uh, respect and awe for God. And that turning, that repenting from, from those ways results in God reassuring them, I am with you, he says. I am with you, declares the Lord in verse 13. So the sovereign Lord of lords, King of kings, is with them. Right? What did Paul say? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you're worried about self-interest, if you're worried about what's going to happen to you in this world, if you're worried about food and clothes and drink, and if you're, if you're short-sighted, do not forget that Jesus also promised that in the Great Commission. Not only was all authority given to him, but at the end of the Great Commission, what does he say? I am with you, even to the end of the age. He's with us. Verses 14 and 15, not only is he with us, but he stirs up the spirit of Zerubbabel. He stirs up the spirit of Joshua and all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts. They came and did the work. They repented. They turned back to him. He was with them. He stirred up their spirits. And got them to work. He empowers them to do the work that they need to do. It's the same thing for us. When you accept Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the way that Christ calls us to live. 
the Holy Spirit empowers us to take up our cross and die to ourselves every single day. Every single day. That's how we live. We should live a spirit-filled life. We should live, we have the power within us to be obedient. God gives us that. And so we may live in a self-absorbed, self-centered society, culture, world, whatever you want to call it. But we're called to live differently. We've been delivered from that. Christ delivered us from that on the cross. He defeated everything on this earth. And then he defeated the very last enemy that we have, which is death through his resurrection. We don't have to worry about any of that stuff. We don't have to be anxious about it. We don't have to be overly concerned with it. Because we belong to him and he is with us. I don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're here today and you are a Christian and maybe you've fallen off your way. Maybe you've been living a self-centered, self-absorbed life. Maybe you've been overly concerned with the things here on earth and you haven't been kingdom focused the way that we're called to be. Maybe you haven't been living your life that way. God is good. God is merciful. And he's made a way for us to just repent, turn from those ways and come back to him. Maybe you don't know Christ as your savior. Maybe you don't know him at the cross. Maybe you don't know that he took that for you. Well, there's no better time than today than to start that relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again uh, just for the time of of worship that we're able to have. Uh, Just thank you for your word, how you are always with us. You promise to be with us. I just... Uh, pray, Lord, that, uh, that, that we would consider our ways and that we would think carefully about where our priorities are and that, that we would place you number one because, um, because you gave it all for, for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.